You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Varallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I will be flying solo this evening. Um, Alex, still, uh, we, uh, we hope he's doing all right. Uh, just constant craziness right now. So his situation is, uh, is fluid, kind of day-to-day, whether or not he can be on the show. Hopefully that situation gets fixed in the coming days, and, uh, and he's back to uh, rolling along with us once the season gets here. Um, and it's close, folks. It's, it's awfully close, isn't it? Down to uh, less than two weeks, opener against Buffalo. It still feels weird. Still feels weird. I don't know about you guys, but to me, this is all. Even seeing the Jets practice the other day, no fans in the stadium. It's going to be super strange watching these games with no uh, with no fans in the stadium. Some stadiums will have fans. Uh, there was I saw today an article. Somebody was saying that you know teams with fans will have an advantage. I just don't see it that way. You know, it's not as if teams are going to be playing in full stadiums. I think if you spread, I said this uh, a week or two ago. If you're going to have a stadium with a capacity of 70,000, 80,000, and you're spreading 20,000 people over the entirety of the stadium, it's, it's going to be not a lot different than empty. Both teams are going to be able to hear their quarterbacks just fine. So I think that's overblown for anybody who's worrying about that. But some people are. But uh, some, some good news for the Jets today, potentially good news, Denzel Mims. Explosive rookie wide receiver out of Baylor was out on the practice field today doing some individual stuff, which is far from going full speed, but it's something. It's a step in the right direction. Denzel Mims was asked by the media if he thinks he'll be ready for week one. He said absolutely. He, he doesn't seem to have any doubt. But listen, players, players don't get to make those decisions. That's up to the trainers. It's up to the coaches. Uh, Denzel Mims as much as we would all love to see him on the field week one, I'd rather they just sit him for as long as necessary to let him fully heal and then get him back at full strength for as long as you got him at full strength. But speaking of that, I'll tell you what, you know, mentioning the trainers make that decision. How about that decision to fire the trainer this off season, make him the scapegoat for all the injuries last year. And I saw a tweet from Rich Samini earlier today during practice, or maybe it was yesterday saying Sam Donald was down to like four receivers. Like everybody's hurt. Everybody's hurt. The season ended. The Jets had about 400 guys on IR. Adam Gase the year before with Miami had about 400 guys on IR. The year before that, he had about 400 guys on IR. Um, and Adam Gase said, we're going to do a deep dive. We're going we're gonna to figure out what this problem is. We've been, we've been working on this for a couple months now. We're going to do a deep dive on this injury situation and figure out what's happening couple months later, fired the trainer. Deep dive concluded. Results of the investigation were in. And trainer is fired, and they can't get a damn wide receiver on the field. So there you have it. Thank God they got rid of that dude, because he was, he was screwing everything up, wasn't he? Uh, he'd been a head trainer for like uh, 16, 17 years. 
Adam Gase decided that the head trainer didn't know what he was doing. And now uh, Sam Donald's thrown to a couple of uh, couple of ball boys. So that's where we are with that. But some good news, though, seriously, on the injury front. Lawrence Cager, rookie who, uh, who was starting to make some plays before he injured his knee. He was back today. Cornerback Pierre Desir, he was out there today as well. Dante Moncrief, we saw his name pop up. The Jets, listen, as I said, the receiver room is, 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 is running on fumes. They needed bodies. They had Dante Moncrief in a couple weeks ago, tried him out, former Indianapolis Colt, former Jacksonville Jaguar. Listen, and he's another guy that fits this Joe Douglas mold in that he wants these speedy guys. This is a 4-4 receiver and 6-2, so that's not a bad combo. Six two four four strong guy, does a good job of high pointing the football, and now he's you know he comes in his first practice, and he had a forty five fifty yard catch that honestly from what I could see it looked like the ball was uh was underthrown a little bit. He did a nice job of adjusting to it. The DB kept the DB overran it. Moncrief adjusted to it, made the catch. Also Jabari Zuniga. Was uh was out there getting loose a little bit, so we've not seen we've not seen or heard anything from him. He's been he's he's been out. Terrell Basham, another guy, and and a big sigh of relief from Jets fans when Chris Herndon, tight end Chris Herndon, left the field the previous day. Turned out it was some chest tightness. Uh, wasn't anything serious, but you know when when you're a guy like Herndon, hasn't been in the league very long. He's already had some significant injuries. You do worry a little bit. And so I know Jets fans are worried about that because I've said it before. I'll keep saying it outside of the O-line and obviously Darnold. But in terms of pass catchers, there's no more important player on the roster than Chris Herndon. If he's healthy, it changes everything. He's a guy that can create mismatches. He doesn't have to come off the field. You can line him up in line. You can split him out wide. You can put him in the slot. Probably even play a little H-back if you need him to. So Herndon's a guy that they need to stay healthy. So that was a big, big uh, sigh of relief today. Cameron Clark, the rookie, we've seen his name pop up a couple times, having to get looked at by trainers, having to come off the field, miss some time with a shoulder. Uh, his name popped up today. He missed some time. Alex Lewis wasn't out there today. I believe his was also a shoulder. Marcus May got looked at for a little bit. And I don't believe, as a matter of fact, I think May, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop here on Twitter real quick and look at our friend Dennis Wazak. Who does a great job with the uh, what is it the uh, the uh, the emoji tweets? Uh, looks like May Perrin Perriman, of course, both Smiths, Vincent and Jeff. Jeff Smith uh, injured his shoulder earlier this week. Vincent Smith, as we know, was out for a couple months. Connor McDermott was out. Uh, Patrick Onwasar, I got a Onwasar. I keep saying his name differently. I looked it up when they signed him to get the actual pronunciation, and then I forgot it. Once the season rolls around and I'm using it regularly, it'll stick. Anyway, out four to five weeks. Braxton Berrios missed some time with some tightness. Wasn't out there again today. Uh, as I said, LaMichael Perrine injured himself during the, uh, during the green and white scrimmage. Ankle injuries. Looks like it was a lower ankle, and they don't expect it to be that long. But that being said, Rashad Perriman is a guy they said, oh, his knee's just a little bit swollen. Um, they didn't expect Perriman to miss that much time. He's been out for over a week now. Adam Gase said today that it looks like the, he was he was way off. 
in his estimation in terms of how much time Perrin would miss. So that uh, I don't know what the, they didn't really offer a timetable on him. The good news is though, Sam Darnold has looked good. Uh, you know, per the uh, per the beat writers, Makai Becton had some really good reps today, according to Rich Samini. And Lamar Jackson got some love also from uh, from Dennis Wozniak. Said he was one of the better players at camp today, and he's another one. You know, we've talked about him. He's six foot two, played in a major program, projected late round pick, ends up going undrafted. So you got to kind of these are the guys you, you 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 keep an eye on because if if some if some people viewed him as being a draftable player, and he plays a a position as important as corner, that's something worth uh you know keeping tabs on a guy like that. And to be honest. I was a little uh, disappointed that we hadn't heard his name a whole lot uh, up until seeing his name mentioned today. So that's, you know, that, that's a positive development. We, we've talked about it. We need some of these guys, you know, the Jets need some of these guys, some of these undrafted guys, late round guys, need them to step up and, uh, and find a way to make a roster and, and get some playing time. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, a little bit of news there. He finally got, uh, finally got some work. I think they. I think he got a was twenty some touches in the the green and white the other day. Matter of fact, he got so many touches that uh, Gase ended up having to run a little bit with the twos. And uh, I don't think there was anything there. I I don't think that was anything insulting to, to Bell. I think that was just a a chance to give him an opportunity to touch the ball a little bit more. And and Gase did say again. That's twice now this camp that Adam Gase has come out and said, you know, I didn't do a good job of getting Levy on the ball last year. I got to find ways to get him open in space and get him the football. And I don't, I don't think anyone in their right mind disagrees with that. You know, it's, it's been said, I know uh, Dan Orlovsky, former Lions, uh, former Lions quarterback, backup quarterback, who does a hell of a job, really. Um, hell of a job as an analyst. He, he broke that down the other day saying, you know, basically stop making it more difficult than it needs to be. You know, you know what Adam, you know what Adam Gates needs to do in order to get Le'Veon Bell involved. It didn't happen last year. Gates has acknowledged it, and we'll see what happens from there. Or we'll, we'll see if uh, if Gates stays true to his word. Uh, I saw a few people tweet that the Jets should take a look. I, for, for those of you who missed it, I'm sure most of you have heard by now. The Jacksonville Jaguars cut ties with Leonard Fournette. I mean, shocking move top five, top 10 pick who had a, had a pretty good year last year and Jacksonville cut him loose and he cleared waivers. Nobody claimed him. Coach Doug Marone said, we tried to trade him. We couldn't get a fourth. We couldn't get a fifth. We couldn't get a sixth. And you have to believe he was telling the truth because a bunch of teams had a shot to claim him. Nobody did. So he's out there as a free agent. There's some rumors that uh, he could be headed to Tampa and I saw some Jets fans say, you know, let's, you know, let's, let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. I just, I don't see it that way. I don't think he's a guy you bring in. Um, who was it? Somebody, I, I think his best fit, honestly, Baltimore. Add Leonard Fournette to that backfield with all the damage they can do. That'd be, that'd be pretty scary. But as far as the Jets, I don't, I don't see a fit. I don't see why it would work. But uh, one thing that, one news story that did kind of catch our eye DB uh, defensive back Logan Ryan, who, as we know, was speculated uh, there was a chance he would sign with the Jets. The Jets reportedly made an offer that they felt comfortable with that they thought he would accept. 
and Ryan signs with the Giants. So right building, wrong team for Logan Ryan. So the Giants get themselves a DB that the Jets were hoping to snag. But that leaves, with all the moves that have been made, the Yannick and Gakwe trade with the Vikings, which, listen, I was upset about that. And I know a lot of Jets fans were. This is a team that hasn't had an edge rusher in over a decade. This team has a ton of draft picks. And he was made available for less than a first-round pick. I think the Jets should have made a move. I have people saying to me, oh, but you can't sign him to an extension. Listen, Yannick Ngakwe, you know what you're getting with that guy. You trade for him, you make him a market, you make him a, you offer him a market value deal when he hits free agency, and he signed. That's, I mean, you can't, the thing with, with, with too many fans is you want to get good players, but you don't want to pay them. You know, that was the issue with Jamal, but Jamal, listen, good player, he, he's not an edge rusher. He's not a corner. He's not a quarterback. He's not a left tackle. Those are the guys that you pay insane money to. If you would have brought in Yannick Ngakwe, Yannick Ngakwe is going to get you 8 to 12 sacks, and he's going to hit the quarterback about 60, 70 times or pressure the quarterback a, a, a bunch. He's a guy that changes the whole dynamic of your defense. And for my money, I think the Jets should have made a run at him. Joe Douglas obviously felt differently. But you still have, pardon me, you've still got Jadavion Clowney out there. <coughs> pardon me. Which is a, a move I'm, I'm not a, I wouldn't be a huge fan of. I wouldn't hate it. I, I think, to me, the most appealing thing about Jadavion Clowney is maybe you sign him. Maybe he gets off to a hot start, and then maybe you can flip him to a, a contender for a three or a two if he's playing well enough. I just he's something about him scares me. The inconsistency in production, the history of injuries, and and I'm not gonna lie. Listen, first impressions, right? The first time I, I well, in terms of play, the first time I saw Jadavion Clowney, as I think was the case with with a lot of fans, was uh, was it against Michigan when he popped that dude's helmet off in the backfield. That was impressive. But then the first time I heard it being discussed by coaches was, was the rumors about, you know, him either faking injuries or not playing through injuries. And there were just a lot of questions about his heart. And it's like, okay, well, you know, let's clean slate. Let's see what happens when he comes to the NFL. And then he starts missing time in the NFL. His first couple of years, misses time, misses time, misses time. And then he finally has a good year or two. And then last year, three sacks. That to me, that's too much. That's too much. The combination of injury history. The combination of, uh, you know, adding in, does he really want it that badly? And the inconsistent production, to me, makes him a guy that I don't want to give a four- or five-year deal to. I just don't. But if you get him on a one-year deal, and you can then flip him at the deadline and add add a draft pick, a premium draft pick, I think I'd be all right with that. I mean, listen, I'm not, for, for the right price. I'd, I'd roll the dice on a five-year deal with, you know, if you can keep the guaranteed money down. But that's not going to happen. He's reportedly turning down multiple offers in excess of $15 million a year. Multiple. Multiple offers in excess of $15 million a year. And he's turning them down. So, I mean, this tells you the guy – and I, listen, I mean, he's, he's, he's standing for what he believes in. He thinks he's worth that kind of money. And he obviously thinks he's worth a whole lot of years. And 
it, maybe he is. You know, may, maybe whoever signs him will, will, you know, end up happy that he did. But I, I just, I think to give a guy like that a long-term deal is, um, is a little bit too much. Um, just a quick quote right here. This is from JetsConfidential.com. Uh, JetsConfidential.com. There, Dan Leberfeld runs the show over there, does a really good job. Um, I subscribe, um, recommend it. But uh, he's got a quote here from Adam Gase uh, talking about Rashad Perriman. Uh, he'll have some days his niece was up on him, then we're trying to figure out why that happened. What do we have to do different? When I talk to him, he seems like it feels good on some days. And we just got to figure out what the sweet spot is. And once again, in the season, uh, you know, what's his pain tolerance? We just have to keep the swelling down. We just got to get him feeling right. We're probably we're probably being a little precautious anyway, precautious anyway. Um, looks like that's it in terms of the quotes from Gase. Uh, that, again, that's from JetsConfidential.com. It's a big injury. I mean, this team could realistically, as as much as we hate to say it, this team could realistically go in a week one down their one, two, and three receivers. And by three, I don't mean slot. I mean, you're, you're back up to the boundary, guys. You could be without Mims. You could be without Perriman. You're going to be without Vincent Smith. And listen, maybe Perriman and, and, and Mims are back, but are they going to be 100%? If Perriman's knee is acting up every couple of days and Mims is only just now working, you know, doing, doing some, uh, some team period stuff, he's not, you know, he's not running full speed and, uh, against defenders getting getting practice in 11 on 11s or 7 on 7s he's just he's just doing some 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 basic positional stuff i think that's uh i think that's a legitimate concern and it's you know we've talked about it before we well we've beaten it to death the whole you know should they have taken another receiver should they have signed another receiver it's you know it's too late for that now that you know Demarius Thomas is a guy we've talked about. I'm, I'm honestly really surprised he hasn't come in for the obvious reasons. Knows the system, fairly productive last year. From, you know, from, from everything I've ever read about the guy, from anything you hear his teammates, coaches talk about him, team guy, good guy. And um, still out there as a free agent with the Jets having all these injuries. Brett, like I said, Berrios missed significant time. Sorry, Berrios just missed some time. Mims has missed significant time. Perriman, now I think he's at the point you're saying he's missing significant time. Thank goodness Crowder's out there. Top target on the team last year. And we'll probably see him and Herndon be the top guys this year. Because as we said before, listen, once Perriman and Mims are healthy, those guys are going to be able to stretch the field. They'll be able to bring DBs down the field with them. You're going to have to double one of them. Especially if Perriman, if Perriman is even a fraction of what he was late down the stretch last year, he's a guy that you're going to have to worry about. He's, uh, he's not a guy the defense is going to be able to take lightly. And with Mims on the other side, it's going to be – I mean, that, that's the, the frustrating part is that you look at the pieces in place, and this roster has the ability to be special. It's all going to come down, you know, as with any team, you know, do they execute? And that's – you know, that's, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to keep getting on the gay thing. It gets old, but, you know, the fact is he's, he's never really had a prolific offense. And I, and I have to say, and people might be surprised to hear me say this, 
Um, hold on to your hats. I'm, I, I thought about doing an article on this, actually, because um, it is worth looking at and being fair and objective. And, I, and I'll be honest. I think part of the reason I'm as hard on Adam Gase as I am is because he just he comes across he comes across as a guy, and this is just me, my observations. He comes across as a guy who doesn't care about his players, and he, even if I'm wrong on that, even even if I'm dead wrong and his players love him, and I'm just reading him wrong, he just, he carries himself like a guy who's won a bunch of Super Bowl rings. And I said, I said when he was hired that one of my biggest concerns was the way he interacts with the media. We haven't seen – and not that that matters in winning and losing football games, but it just, it just tells me a little bit about your personality. That when, when things aren't going well, you're just still going to keep doing your thing. And we saw that last year. And we saw it with the Dolphins. Even when his offense isn't working, he keeps doing the same thing. And it's that stubbornness. Because I had a couple people say to me, who cares about how he acts with the media? As long as he wins football games. I get that. But the thing is, he doesn't win football games. Or he doesn't win them as often as he loses them. And he rarely wins by as much as he loses by. Blowout losses and, and a few, you know, eked out wins against some really bad football teams. And some really bad quarterbacks. As his offense had a really hard time putting up points against, you know, backups and, and, and things of that nature. So, but, but the thing I was going to say that will surprise some people is that like Adam Gase or not, there is some credibility to what his supporters say. He has had, look, listen, maybe Adam Gase is, is the greatest head coach in the history of the NFL with the worst luck in the history of the NFL. Okay? He can't keep a quarterback healthy. He's had to go to backups, washed-up veterans, um, inexperienced guys. Just he's, he's not really had a great quarterback. Now, I think Sam Donald is going to be great, and I think part of the reason he – wasn't better last year was because of the way Adam Gase used him and used Le'Veon Bell. But to say Adam Gase has failed under less than ideal circumstances, I mean, he's, he's, he has had to make do with some pretty bad rosters. So maybe he is better than we've seen up to this point. But again, I think one of the reasons I'm so anti-Adam Gase is because the way he carries himself gives me the impression that when things aren't working, he's not going to care. He's just going to keep doing what he does, bang his head against the brick wall, doesn't matter how many points, you, you know, doesn't matter if you're 32nd in the NFL, my plan is my plan, my scheme is my scheme. And we'll see, we'll see how that plays out this year. I mean, are the players that Joe Douglas added good enough to kind of help Adam Gase climb out of the, the, the basement of, of NFL offensive rankings, which is where he has spent most of his career as an offensive coach? Uh, I mean, the, the talent is undoubtedly better. 
undoubtedly better. You've got more explosive guys. You've got more speed. And maybe, just maybe, Adam Gase opens things up a little. And listen, another criticism of Adam criticism of Adam Gase that I heard last year from a couple different places that turned out to be completely true is the frequency with which we see him call plays. And listen, you could say, oh, maybe it's the quarterback checking down. It, it happens too often. And, and a lot of times it's the first read. We see these plays drawn up that are run four, five, six yards short of the first down, you know, on third down, third and eight, third and 10, dump it off screen, dump it over the middle, third and 13, eight yard completion. And we see it a lot. We see it too often to just write it off and say, oh, the QB is checking down. All of his QBs were checking down. I can't even, I, I can't recall where I saw it. But after he was hired, there was a piece that was written that broke down, and I, I think it was Adam. I think it broke down every coach, and Adam Gase was sort of bottom of the NFL, or he was the coach who most frequently called plays short of the first down. And it's been going on long enough now that it is a trend, and you have to wonder if he's going to be able to break that trend. By the way, tonight's episode of Jet Nation Radio would like to thank our sponsor, Mile Social. If you'd like help managing all the social media platforms for your business, go to milesocial.com. That's M-I-L-E social, milesocial.com. Whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, Mile Social has got you covered. That's milesocial, M-I-L-E social.com. Check them out. Running a business, small business, big business. Need help managing all those social media accounts? Give them a look. Milesocial.com. So it's good. You know, listen. Good news in that that Mims is back, but the the yin, the yin and yin, the yin and yang right now, you know, for for every good thing it seems like there's a bad thing. At the moment, Jets injury in, is in terms of Jets injuries, there's a it seems it's a lot more bad than good. But it was good to hear Zuniga's name, or sorry, to see to read Zuniga's name. And um, one one piece of news here. Uh, this just broke, and I, I, yeah, I don't see this. Okay, here we go. Uh, Patriots have released Mohamed Sanu. Didn't they give up like a two or a three to get him last year? Yeah, second round pick. They gave they gave Atlanta a two last year from Mohamed Sanu, and people are already asking, will the Jets make a move for him? I mean, I don't know if he's a guy that that they'll be interested in. But again, given, given the level of injuries at the moment, and he has been a productive guy, productive veteran, spent the first half of his career, excuse me, with Cincinnati before moving on to Atlanta. And he did listen. He's, he's a couple of years removed. Excuse me. Cough. <clears throat> excuse me. 838 yards receiving in 2018, 703 a year before that, 653 the year before that. Excuse me. Not bad. I mean, those aren't bad numbers. And this is a guy, for whatever reason, didn't work out with the Pats. Went to New England, played six games, only had 200 yards receiving, one touchdown. But he's, listen, in in terms of vets and, you know, (laughs) the cupboard is bare, folks. If if we're saying Perriman's out, if we're saying Berrios is dinged up. And like I said, what was it to me? Rich earlier said the Jets were down to four wide receivers in practice. 
I don't see why you don't just uh, roll the dice, give uh, give Sanu's agent a call, and see what they're thinking. Um, no updates on uh, on Joe Flacco, by the way. Not not at the moment. Looks like there. Looks like Rich Samini saying per Jeremy Fowler. September 10th is his next checkup. Listen, I've said it before. I'm Darnold, Mike White, with James Morgan on IR. And uh, I don't know if David fails with any practice squad eligibility. But I say you put you put Flacco on the pup. And it, maybe they stick with fails. Maybe they feel like fails, even though he's not never been any good. He has a little bit more game experience, which really, it's, he's got so little, it's, it's almost negligible. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But it's going to be, the Jets have a decision to make a quarterback. And Flacco, while I think is a great choice to, was a great choice to bring in to back up Sam Darnold, the Jets knew when they signed him that it was quite likely he would not be ready by the time the opener rolled around. That is the case. And we'll have to see how the Jets handle the quarterback situation from there. And... Um, That'll do it for us tonight. Short show. Just wanted to do a quick injury recap, talk about the guys who are making news at camp. And I just, I'll tell you what, I can't wait for the damn season to get started so we can talk about some actual football. And uh, it's not that far away now, folks. Jets will be opening up in Buffalo before you know it. But until that time, uh, we will continue. We will carry on here one or two more shows before the opener. And uh, hopefully back with Alex next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great night.